Welcome to the first episode of Union Thoughts. Um, hopefully you had a chance to listen to our uh, teaser trailer. Uh, we've got a really interesting uh, show and I'll, I'll say, you know, we, we just got off, um, got off a Zoom with our, our guest and I've, I've learned a lot. Like I knew nothing about professional wrestling before this and now I at least know what kayfabe is. Okay. So um, as always, uh, we have with us uh, Diana Hussein. Uh, Diana, how's it going? It's going COVID, but mm -hmm. yeah, this is Diana. Um, I'm very excited to share this week's episode. Um, it was really fun to have on David Starr and mm -hmm. listen to where pro wrestling today crosses over with the labor movement in you know, profound ways. Yeah, wrestlers are workers, aren't they? And of course, that is Jeff. Jeff, how's it going? It's going good. Uh, yeah, we just had a ch chat with David. Uh, and we had a little conversation just about like how, how labor relations and wrestling happen. Absolutely. So, uh, like I said, um, I learned a lot from this interview and, uh, I think that we're not going to go, uh, go too much. We're just going to cut straight to that. So hopefully, hopefully everyone has a chance to enjoy it and, um, yeah, buckle up. Here he is. Let us know your thoughts in comments somewhere. So uh, we have David Starr here uh, with uh, We the Independent. He's also a pro wrestler and a noted labor activist in the uh, wrestling community. Um, I'm going to be up front here. I don't know anything about wrestling. Um, I just kind of now think I may know what kayfabe is. Um, but this is going to be a really interesting learning experience for me because it sounds like uh, there are quite a few labor issues in the world of uh, pro professional wrestling. Uh, Diana, you, you have a little bit more experience with this, right? I just want to point out that this is a historic day. Um, this podcast has existed for like a minute and already we're making waves and like real meaningful change here in which Connor's actually kicking something to me because he doesn't know and isn't going to pretend to know. And I'm very, very happy to introduce uh, <laughs> international independent pro wrestler, labor activist. Um, and what's cool about David here is that um, he's working to organize independent wrestlers, which I'm sure we'll talk a lot why that is a need, but also why that is absolutely relevant to the broader world and movement that we all exist in. But um, I'm really excited. David Starr, um, currently in the UK. Say hello. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for uh, having me on. I'm, I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Uh, David, why is pro wrestling relevant to union people uh well i i've said it a bunch of times uh before pro wrestling uh the business itself sells the need for labor movements or the need for unionization more than anything else there is uh from a from a corporate wrestling standpoint it is just uh the most egregious form of exploitation especially when it comes to athletes i mean just right out of the gate if you want to talk from a cash flow standpoint uh, WWE, who's obviously the biggest wrestling company in the world, uh, they are kind of the industry standard. They're supposed to be like the standard bearers. And 
when you compare revenue splits of that of like the NFL, the NBA, all the like major, major sports organizations, about 50% of the revenue generated goes towards paying the athletes or paying the talent. Uh, in WWE, it's about 10% of the revenue goes oh. to paying the talent. Uh, the talent also doesn't have any any uh, right to organize, any right to bargain. They have uh, they really are in a position where they can't really. It's very difficult to negotiate contracts to begin with. Um, they switched from a pay per view model to a network subscription model because they can, they're able to make unilateral decisions. And all of that revenue of pay per view royalty revenue that was going to wrestlers just got cut off immediately. And they don't have internet usage royalties in their contracts in WWE. Mm -hmm. So they don't get royalties for their likeness being used when it generates money on YouTube or on the WWE network. And that goes for everybody. Um, there's just massive, massive, uh, there's a massive power imbalance that exists in pro wrestling. And it's, it's exemplified with the way WWE uh, treats its talent. Um, and this week was, I mean, you talk about everything that happened this week. Uh, if you if you didn't know, just please just go look up uh, on the Independent. They just put up an article about Vince McMahon's week, everything WWE's been doing, and it was it was pretty pretty insane. I'm sure we'll get into that. But as far as what what we're doing, uh, trying to organize on an independent wrestling level, because that's kind of where where we're at. There's this whole world of independent wrestling. It's almost like uh, it's almost like like underground wrestling. It's kind of like uh, the I guess it's like very close, especially in the UK, to like the punk rock music scene. Is <laughs> what that's it, it's kind of what indie wrestling is. Uh, it's that like cool thing that's a little grunge. It's a little grungy, and you know that like. Uh, it, but the things that that exist, uh, the issues that exist on the independent wrestling level, obviously, are the lack of like a safety net, uh, and the way that we can kind of create that safety net for independent wrestlers is through uh, unionizing. Mm -hmm. And so basically the, the, the things that we're trying to do is to give independent wrestlers an actual choice when they get approached by these corporate wrestling companies where they might get a bigger platform, they might make more money guaranteed than they would on the indies, but they're also going to be exploited and taken advantage of and mentally abused and I mean, literally physically right. abused. Um, it, it, we want to give them the choice, the actual ability to say no if they want to, as opposed to being backed into this corner. So the idea of unionizing and wrestling is very important from the corporate levels all the way down through the independence. Yeah. So um, I actually have a question in sort of a, a relational sense that the, so, so the contracts that wrestlers get with co uh, companies, uh, they're basically in WWE and an independent, I'm not exactly sure how it is in the UK where you are, but in the U S they're classified as, independent contractors what does that mean for wrestlers what does that mean for their sort of stability what does that mean for their expenses and for other things that that people might not be thinking about well on on the on the corporate wrestling level it's it's insane it's ridiculous you don't get employee uh, benefits whatsoever you're not entitled to i mean that you can you see that with the way like uber drivers are treated mm -hmm. uh like deliveroo and all those all these people that get zero hour contracts that's kind of what it is and i mean that's a very uh i mean that what everyone's telling that story nowadays right. that's what, and they're taking advantage of the system they're avoiding uh payroll tax they, they don't have to provide uh they don't have to provide pretty much any benefits to them because they're independent contractors but obviously it's contradictory within their con within specifically wwe's contracts because 
they're still required to be places and they still they don't have the freedom to do anything outside of the WWE, uh, not even just for wrestling, it, the entirety of what they deem as like media. Mm-hmm. So like if you're a wrestler and you have your own like you start making your own music and stuff. WWE has in some of their contracts, they'll say that they'll own anything you produce while you're under contract for them, even if it's not for them. So they basically own your entire public image. Yes, that's uh, it's in, when when I first started working with Equity in the UK. Equity is an entertainment trade union that uh, is mostly associated with like theater workers, but it also has like cabaret artists, and it, it pretty much covers all like live performing uh, freelance like actors and stuff like that, uh, and all sorts of different crazy gimmicky things. Um, well, since I've been working with them, uh, they they told me that they got that they got their hands on some WWE contracts from people that were members of the union that gave them the contracts to be like, Hey, can you look this over for me? And they said, yeah, sure. Of course. And they came back and literally said that the contracts are so unilateral that they could be legally deemed invalid. (laughs) It it is that it's like that offensive. The um, like the responsibilities pages of the responsibility of the performer to the company is so big, like huge then compared to like the responsibility that they have to you, it's like nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is, it is, it is pretty, uh, it is pretty insane mm-hmm. when it comes to, when it comes to independent wrestlers, uh, not, not contracted to a corporate wrestling company or on a salary. We pretty much work show to show. It's a gig. It's just gig to gig, gig to gig. We, we decide, we'll figure out how we get paid, whether it's through cash or online. Uh, but we are actual independent contractors, mm-hmm. you know, like, we actually are. We're self-employed people, and we are independent contractors. That's okay. But obviously, when you're when you're being employed by a company, right? And then, and, and then what about when this company, you know, has some you know ties to um, politicians and is able to deem you as essential? Can you uh, talk a little bit about that and and maybe explain what I'm talking about here? Like, <laughs> what did how was Vince McMahon's week this week? Oh, yeah, let's get into it. It was it was pretty it was pretty wild. Um, I, I don't know if I can remember day by day because all the days. <laughs> Just the summary yeah. of the highlights. W- what is time anymore? Wait, really, <laughs> that's true. What is time, anyways? So I was ta- we were talking uh, before we came on. We were talking about uh, the dark side of the ring, uh, the dark side of the ring thing that Vice has been putting out, mm-hmm. uh, and that's talking about like all the dark stories of pro wrestling. Uh, and some of them are kind of like fun, rumored things, and some of them mm-hmm. are like just wrestling myths, and some of them are real bad shit. Yeah. That's sorry, uh, real Chris bad stuff. Benoit story type stuff. Yeah. So this week, the one that came out was this story about a uh, former pro wrestler, a former WWE wrestler, the Hall of Famer Jimmy Snuka. Uh, uh, allegedly, again, these. Are- <laughs> I didn't know a Snuka story <laughs> came out. Uh oh. Yeah. So allegedly, Jimmy Snuka was uh, res- was responsible or involved or around or whatever he was accused of killing his girlfriend Mm -hmm. uh and then there was this then this story that came out on vice showed that like vince allegedly went to the police for jimmy snooka and basically to summarize it he walked in with a bunch of cash and he walked out with jimmy snooka and the story is that vince did everything he can to to get that like the charge is completely buried. Yeah. So that was a thing that came out sometime this week. He was also, announced, he was also announced as uh, the great Vince McMahon 
uh, when he got when he was announced as a part of the presidential task force to reboot reboot the economy. Which, of course, the people that know the most about rebooting the economy is obviously billionaires. Uh, right. Uh, right. So yeah. then, uh, so that happened. Then Linda and Vince McMahon's uh, their super pack. They donated eighteen and a half million dollars to a, a Trump campaign super a Trump wolf well, not Trump campaign super PAC because no of course they don't coordinate right 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 uh, no no <laughs> right totally so legit they, they donated eighteen and a half million dollars to Trump in uh in Florida for like campaigning in Florida which also obviously helps Ron DeSantis and things like that mm-hmm. who's very much uh, in bed with Donald Trump. And then that same exact day, WWE is deemed an essential business mm-hmm. and, a, and allowed to have, or essential media is what they were mm-hmm. called. Um, they've been running shows this whole time. Uh, there, there, there have been some, some companies on the corporate wrestling level that have been doing this whole coronavirus thing wrong, and WWE has been the worst of it. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they've the been industry standard. <laughs> well, it's pretty standard. They almost all, yeah, they always are the bad guys. Anytime it gets into mainstream media news, it's bad news. Mm-hmm. Um, so not only that, then after all that happened, Vince McMahon had to declare bank. He declared bankruptcy uh, with the XFL. Yeah. Declared back in the XFL. What? I missed this one. I did so not the- know the XFL is already being the XFL. I had no idea. Wow. Who could have saw that coming? The XFL went XFL faster than I did last time. Who yeah. could have predicted that to happen? And so soon, too, as if oh, maybe the first time the exact same thing happened. So Vince, uh, so Vince officially declared bankruptcy for the XFL, shut it down, all that stuff. Um, then he went back to WWE, and then he had a, a video call with a bunch of, uh, which all of the WWE performers, like there was a message in their like app or whatever, and they listened to a video call about four minutes from Vince McMahon, which has been pretty much the same thing when you've watched all these like billionaire uh, corporate executives or corporately whatever. We're or- family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, giving but you're this, fired, basically, and that was the thing. And he was like, you know, this is tough for everybody, and this is that. Oh, We're gonna make some changes or whatever. And then they sent out text messages to people who were fired. So they fired people through text message, uh, and then realized that wasn't a very good move. So they started phone. They started calling people. <laughs> oh, they had to like learn that it was bad before just knowing it. Ooh. They got a text message from WWE telling them they were fired, and uh, and they're so they're paying these guys uh, if they're on the developmental roster, or if they're on NXT, if they're not on a main roster spot, so Raw or SmackDown, uh, they're only getting thirty days of pay, and then they're cut loose completely. Uh, the main roster guys who got cut, they're getting ninety days pay, and then they're completely cut free. There was a bunch of producers and agents that got furloughed, like uh, like Hurricane and Fit Finley. They fired. Uh, 31-year WWE veteran Mike Kyoto, referee. Wow. Uh, they fired creative people, and all in all, it's it's showed to it's reported to have saved WWE about uh, 50 million dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm it. sure that all these folks at least have six months of health care, right? Nothing. They have not. They have no. They have no no uh, benefits whatsoever. The producers and stuff do. Everybody pretty much within the WWE corporate structure that isn't a wrestler has benefits. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and, what do, what does a healthcare even look like for wrestlers? I mean, I would it, obviously just because of the nature of the work, having good healthcare is pretty essential. Like what does it actually look like when they do have healthcare? What, like what, like what does yeah. that 
insurance plan. Yeah, what are the health plans like? Expensive. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's basically really, really expensive. Uh, and that's kind of the reason, that's one of the reasons why they'll say they don't want to do it. But then on the same note, then they actively fund politicians who make sure that people can't get healthcare. So it doesn't really make sense. So basically you just don't care. You just don't feel like paying for it. It's not worth it to you. Um, what they do have, especially WWE does have doctors on site and they do have people that are able to write prescriptions on site. They can literally give you opioids like that mm -hmm. if they want to. Um, they have to, obviously, you know, there's, there is a doctor. So you do have to assume that they're not just going to be doing that willy nilly to anybody. Just, oh, here you go. They're going to be doing it. Yeah. But then, you know, WWE, they always get commended for, oh, well, we'll, we'll pay for you to go to rehab and they take care of their guys. Only what you just described might imply some sort of cycle. Yeah. And, well, and, and to, just to kind of add on to that, this is something that this is a project that was completely not even a part of WWE until I think it was the death of Eddie Guerrero and then later Chris Benoit. Uh, there's, you know, murder of his family and then the suicide that followed, which is also on that Vice series. Um, before that, they had nothing. No, yeah, they will. So, like, they, they'll have a doctor there for you that will, like, take care of you. And they'll say, like, if you get hurt in their ring or there's anything like that, they'll pay for whatever medical costs mm -hmm. they that you get. Um, so there's one of, there's this weird like there's this weird rule where like you know you don't want to you don't want to be a nuisance you don't want to be like someone who's like asking the company to create this environment but then they also kind of like will like leak little stories be like oh yeah WWE took care of this person yeah or they took um, care of them. and it's just how it goes you know it's very selective and they do the and it's it's just a, another way of uh, of controlling of controlling them but so Connor from your perspective as someone who doesn't follow wrestling but just hearing this management tactic does it sound a little familiar to you i mean it's pretty common i mean management tries to keep people isolated feeling vulnerable feeling that they can ask for things i mean especially if you know you've got a lot of people that are on independent independent contractor status um it's not a surprise that people don't feel safe to ask for what they feel like they actually mm -hmm. need and of course, always the solution to that is collective action. Mm -hmm. Now, and, yeah, go ahead, yeah. David. I was going to say that part of there's the I was one thing that's very important when I when I mentioned that it saved uh, WWE fifty uh, reported fifty million dollars for the year. Uh, the important thing to note is that based on their financial statements and everything, if WWE didn't run any more shows, if they didn't run any more live tapings, if they didn't run sell another T-shirt, if they didn't do any of that, they were still projected to have like the biggest profits that they've had in years when they were projected to still get, even with all of that, about $121 million in profits. <laughs> and their financial statements also show that they had like a cash reserve, basically uh, very able to get this cash quickly in certain liquid, in certain right. assets and things like that of about $500 million. Oh. Uh, so they saved themselves $50 million, even though they had essentially at a minimum, you, you had about like a $621 million to play with. So there was no real need. And Vince just got assets from the XFL, which the assets were valued at about like 300 million mm -hmm. or something like that. Liquidated. Uh, you know, it, yeah. it's, it really seems like a lot of the, like one of the things that you mentioned earlier on that like really stuck out at me is uh, like the average, you know, amount of money, revenue, et cetera, that goes to professional athletes and unionized sports like Major League Baseball, et cetera, is like 50% or so, which should be higher. But still, that's, 
Shout out to the sports yeah. union. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, that's that's still progress, at least. Um, but only 10% in wrestling. And it makes me think about like, I mean, if you go back to the fifties or sixties and what ball players are like hockey players or football players made, um, it's probably not that different from the situation in wrestling right now. The only thing that may got to the point where they're at 50% of revenue actually going into players' pockets, um, is because they unionized mm-hmm. basically. Well, I think overall you just have to like, I, I think this is the lesson that, I want everybody to kind of get across, get out of this, which is that uh, now is always the time. Right. It's always now. And there is never a point in time in which workers don't have the leverage because I think this crisis has proven more than anything that it's labor that controls the markets, not capital. Uh, that's pretty much I mean, yeah. that's something that we need to, we need to take recognition of that power and that leverage that we have not just as wrestlers that's that's literally every single person that's working for some capitalist out there mm-hmm. that's just how that's just how it goes um i i think they've done a lot of great things regarding uh well great things when i say that i actually meant that in like a evil great like yeah. if you're looking at from an e- like if you are uh emperor palpatine like it was amazing <laughs> uh the way that the way they've set up the organization to ensure there isn't collective action to ensure that there isn't anything built is quite is quite ingenious they have all these different brands that are different that travel differently uh scatter the workers it's it's just it's hard to form any sort of solidarity Mm, and then they have uh they're all over the place and it's hard to get the camaraderie going. It's hard to understand if one of us gets taken away, then they have all these other people mm-hmm. that if they don't get, if they don't organize, they don't stand with us that they could just pluck, they can scab and take the spots. And that was shown recently when WWE had a Saudi Arabia show uh, recently. Again, they've been doing out a bunch where the government of Saudi Arabia literally directly pays uh, WWE. Unbelievable. <laughs> An unreal amount of money to put on Saudi propaganda, and they actually literally had a commercial on their first one. To watch wrestlers like, from the nineties, by the way. <laughs> What's that? To watch guys from the nineties, you know, watch Goldberg and the Undertaker and Shawn Michaels, like people who like I, well, I watched when I was a kid. <laughs> that's what they want to pay. That's what yeah. they're paying for. What that stuff? But like, they're getting paid a ridiculous amount uh-huh. of money and then they're also putting on saudi propaganda on their network on the pay-per-views for it they have a john cena going out there being like i want to thank the kingdom of saudi arabia for their, host- their oh hospitality that was so wild to see like in my entire life as a wrestling fan i have never like and you've seen some questionable gimmicks and characters that have been like based off like drama in the political world i have never seen something just so yeah. wild as john cena being thanking the fucking kingdom did, of you, Saudi did you see the john cena so john cena's got a record of this though when he when uh the u.s killed uh osama bin laden he announced at raw like we have compromised and brought to a permanent end osama bin laden to a huge crowd cena cena's also there's been stories um like i just did a podcast with ryback i don't know if you if oh you yeah know i know ryback, ryback. interesting so, cat that's dope and he and he had me on this podcast, and we had a talk about uh, some of the stuff that happened in WWE when he was there, because he was a top guy. Connor doesn't know he was a top guy in WWE for about like two to three years. He'd been there for like eight years or something like that, and and he 
and he talked about we talked about the things with video games because uh don't let me forget about getting back to the saudi arabia story by the way yeah, that was, yeah. um but uh we had this talk about video games and the fact that the money has gone has gotten taken away from wrestlers more and more and more and more to the point when there, like the 90s guys the guys you knew in the attitude era and stuff like that with like like stone cold and the rock and hurricane and all and billy gun and dx and all that we're getting paid like close to a hundred grand for the year for video games, like for the royalties. Wow. And then that got less and less and less. And Ryback told the story about how basically uh, they were being told they were losing all of this money for video games, all the wrestlers. And Cena was the one who rallied the troops to be like, we got to get behind this company and we got to support oh, them. Man. We got to understand this. So that, uh, so then the way Ryback said it, he said, that's when I said, Oh no, this man's dangerous. Yeah. Um, that, that's what Ryback identified. Back to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, Saudi Arabia. <laughs> Sorry so about that. After the, after the most recent Saudi Arabia show, uh, there was a bit of a pissing match between Vince McMahon and MBS, uh, Mohammed bin Salman. Yeah, the, the crown the, prince. The so I'm sorry. I was thinking MBS. I'm like, what wrestler is that? And I'm like, wait, no. Fuck no, no, MBS no. and Vince. Wait, hold. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Mohammed bin Salman got into a, a a pissing match with Vince McMahon um, over apparently there was something involving uh, money like Saudi Arabia hadn't paid WWE the money that they owed them yet there was some weird like lot of money needed like hundred million like some crazy amount of money and uh, they got they got mad Vince ended up getting so furious that he left on his private jet and took like a couple top guys with him yeah. and then left his roster in Saudi Arabia and stranded. They were stranded in Saudi Arabia for like almost a full day. Not oh knowing- my God. That is not, not only like- terrible, but that's also horrifying. Yes, exactly. And you don't, and you're also there basically hostages. Mm-hmm. You're, t- you're, you're, you're a toy. You're, you're, you're yeah. a pawn. And, and Vince got out of there on his private jet and made sure that some of the top stars were with them and they got mm-hmm. out and they left a bunch of these people there. And what they showed when I was talking about with all these uh, different roster splits and all these different sections of wrestlers, um, a bunch of the wrestlers couldn't go to SmackDown. So what they did was they just called up all the people on a different brand and had them wrestle on the show. Mm-hmm. So they didn't miss the show. So that's it's it, it's very it's an evil genius thing they've done. Divide and conquer. Mm-hmm. Only this is like hella creative. Oh, they're very I mean, creative. I don't know if that was literally done with the the idea of like, oh, we don't want our wrestlers to organize, or because I mean, honestly, they do have a huge roster and they have so much TV time. They want to make sure they're getting the most out of their investment. So there is an argument there, but I just think it just so happens to also be very, very good for union busting. Mm -hmm. Now, I mean, it's, it's not that, it's not that unusual a story. I mean, if you, I mean, granted in most workplaces, you don't have uh, the boss getting into a pissing match with the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, (laughs) but (laughs) I mean, that's not typical. At least I think so. No place I've ever worked. Um, But you know, the underlying things are all still, relatively the same i mean you've got this you know subcontractor of a subcontractor different companies different you know all these layers of kind of um you know all these layers of kind of corporate fissuring that basically allow uh the people that are making the money to not take any responsibility for their actual workers and make it hard for the workers to do anything about it so i mean it's like 
even though it's got this whole like added layer of like drama and even though it's like way more out in the public and visible to the public than any other instance of this really it's not that different than i think the experience of like this feels relatable to the average american mm -hmm. simply because like they have the same thing like well I work here, but I don't actually work for them. I work for a contractor that also is actually contracted out to another contractor. Like this is all like stuff that everyone has gone through. Mm -hmm. I can think of 20,000 airline catering workers that have been fighting the airlines for years now. And the airlines want to wash their hands of them, mm -hmm. but also right now are using their meals to champion themselves as like donating to the food. Banks. Right. But yeah, exactly. What's happening with these workers? Well, we'll find out in the next few weeks or so when you'll see news stories just about the conditions in these airline right. catering kitchens. These are giant warehouses, not unlike Amazon, but once again, they're subcontracted workers. So you see them, you know, making the food for planes that fly Delta, but Delta's going to act like, well, we don't have any. They're not our employees, but we basically have everything else to say over right. their livelihoods. I mean, and it's helpful, I think, for, you know, uh, for the wrestling like management to have people like john cena that are out in the public eye that are like doing well in movies getting like tons of money because that creates a perception and uh like that glosses over the fact that there are it sounds like a large majority of wrestlers are very much not doing that well or no. much more precarious or need more but the public perception is oh john cena not those other people. Oh yeah, that that's disappointing to me. I love John Cena's movies nowadays. I was hyped when I saw him in the trailer for the next Fast and Furious. <laughs> and now I got to know that he's not only just like a weirdo shill for the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, but a straight up scab. He's a boss. Go ahead. The, th the thing about John Cena is a mixed bag is that everybody everybody seems to say like relatively good things, but he like as a like dude to dude like Yeah, like a pers person interpersonally lovely guy. Yeah, there's there's like there's some stories about him where people had disagreements and there was definitely issues there. And I mean, he's a very powerful person, uh, especially within WWE. But like at the end of the day, he's to he toes the company line. He's a company yeah. man. He is, and it's always and the it they the same way it is in like mainstream media and stuff. And you see the people that are willing to carry water for the establishment, yeah. and they're in that position because they're willing to carry water for yeah. the establishment. Like it, and it make they make it easy for them to do so because they take care of them individually. Mm -hmm. So they can just look at like, oh well, I was taken care of. I'm fine. What do you? But I mean, like, I can only really speak from my personal experience, and they're doing really good things for me. But the rest of them, a lot of them, they yeah. they have totally, completely worse conditions. Um, I know we're talking a lot about WWE right now, but there are a bunch of other issues mm -hmm. with like places like AEW, um, which actually is pretty good as with uh their workers are everyone's pretty happy other than the fact uh when we talk about what they're doing during this crisis like still running shows and mm -hmm. stuff um but they're kind of doing it the best way you could be doing it even though they shouldn't be doing it um i don't want to like put you on the spot with AEW, but i like we can also end the recording but i've heard decent things about cody rhodes and and at one point i heard that before he started his own company became a boss he was interested in unionizing um, well, no, Cody actually came out publicly. Uh, there's a tweet where he basically said he thought a wrestling union would like kill the business. He put that oh. out there. But Cody's also, knowing him personally and having spoken to him a lot, uh, and Tony a lot, uh, they're very open to the idea of, of progressive change. Who's Tony? Uh, what's that? Who's Tony? Tony Khan. Okay. 
Then he's the uh, uh, CEO of AEW and owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm sorry, I just wanted for our audience to, no, to no, understand. No, that's cool. So we, um, so the, they're very open to it. I wish they would have done it right out of the gate. They're not, you know, they're not, they're not doing everything they should be doing, but they're doing a lot of good things. They have given a lot of wrestlers health insurance and stuff like that. Um, but they they don't have the same setup that like WWE has in order mm-hmm. to this division within the rosters not just with these brand splits but with this idea of john cena being taken care of and other people not it's this thing they call apparently it's talking to a bunch of people who have worked there or do work all that uh they have something called the, the, like colloquially is called the golden circle mm-hmm. which is this group of people that are taken care of and then there's a bunch of them most of the people in the main roster don't get their travel covered mm-hmm. they don't get their accommodation covered they have to do all of this and claim it back as expenses yeah. um, because they're independent contractors. So they they do that to a lot of people and they're very selective about it. They set things up long-term where they have things called legends contracts. So if you are, if you, if you don't rock the boat and you're always, and you like perform well and stuff, they'll give you a contract after you're retired mm-hmm. and you'll get money, basically like selective pension schemes mm-hmm. uh, in order to keep you in line. They have, they've, they've, they've really, really done again, like an evil genius job of structuring their organization to not have anybody like notice or like reputable speak against it. You know, it's I hate like to, haves and have nots. Yeah, it. it's almost like they're they're like made men and like capos in the mafia or something. But uh, anyway, I wanted to kind of put a point uh, or a face at least to that uh, travel situation that you were just mentioning. Uh, there was a not long ago, Bailey, who's one of the wrestlers in the women's division, was asked a question uh, by someone in the media about about sort of like what does WWE cover in travel expenses? And when they asked her that, she was like, "Wait a minute, they why would they pay for this?" You know, it was like one of those things. Oh, it's scary. Brutal. Yeah, well, she got asked, they, they asked her the question, um, what, what what's it like being in W? What's something that people don't know? Like, they, everyone thinks it's kind of glamorous. And Bailey said that, like, yeah, everyone thinks it's kind of glamorous. But, you know, we have to, we drive ourselves after shows. Like, we get in the rental cars, we drive ourselves. And the, the interviewer was like, you drive yourselves? You have to rent your own cars? Like, what are you, what are you talking about? Don't you have, and they said, is that in your CBA? And then she and then What's Bailey realized she was mad. And then she was like, Oh my god. I felt so bad for her because yeah. you know, she wasn't trying to she wasn't even trying to be a dick about it. She no. was just being like, Oh yeah, this is how it is and was kind of like I mean it sucks that she's willing to accept that. Um and that's kind of the thing it is. Like it sucks that there's so many people that are happy to be there or that mm-hmm. buy into the they get they get their love for the sport and their love the dream that they've had of you know main eventing WrestleMania or just being on a big stage WWE in front of all these people. Um they use that against them so that they exactly. don't don't speak up, uh, and it, it's really it's really tough. And it's obviously it's a it's a massive sacrifice to even take the action that is necessary to yeah. begin with. You know? Yeah, and I mean, especially in a lot of professions or you know lines of work where there's a big like this is something you've wanted to do that you have an attachment to that you know you've dreamed about doing it's very easy for management to basically weaponize that to keep you from speaking up. Mm-hmm. That's what they do. That's <laughs> what they do. There was a thing with the, with that video game stuff. Uh, they were giving guys like about a hundred grand at one point, and then it got dwindled down more and more and more and more to like only. Then uh, recently, there was a dude who was on Two Hundred Five Live who I met at the backstage of an indie show, and we we were friends from before he got signed. And we were talking about the video game thing, and they were putting Two Hundred Five Live guys, which is like a smaller mm. subsection of a subsection of a yeah. roster. Thing they've broken down the little guys uh, yeah and 
they all, they said, yeah, you guys are going to be in the video game for the first time. And everyone's pumped because, I mean, that's one of the things you dream of as a pro wrestler is being in a video game, having an action figure. The Hell thing, yeah, that's awesome. That I want an action figure. Yeah, and it's, it's so awesome. Um, and then they said uh, what they did was they offered them $2,800 flat, no royalties whatsoever. And one of the guys said no. And then they literally said, ah, well, I guess uh, – I guess the office is going to be pretty upset about that or not going to like that. Like they were, they, they were being pressured to accept that kind of money. And it's like, that's your dream. You're mm-hmm. in a video game. You're going to be immortalized in a WWE video game. And then there's completely taking advantage of you because uh, decisions can be made unilaterally and they give it, they'll just get somebody else to take your spot. Right. And it, they, they've created this environment. That's like a hostile work environment. It's not safe. It's harder yeah. to create. Uh, solidarity or any sort of or any really organized together yeah and that goes way back to like jesse ventura wanting to organize in the 1980s and hulk hogan dropping a dime on him you know that this this is like a like a tradition within wrestling or at least within the wwe you know i want to like i want to ask to your opinion um if you saw this a, a while ago john oliver did an episode about wwe i want to see what you have thoughts about that but i also want to just say real quick i i have a friend who worked for a few years in, in wwe and i'll tell you offline who that was david because i'm not going to say who this was now <laughs> but i was talking to him recently about unionizing efforts and like you know i just assumed that my friend would be into it but even him because he had been in the indie scene for a long time beforehand and they fired him and from what i understand it was another bs thing but he still has this idea of like well like i no one ever helped me i worked really hard and then like i had to do it this way and it reminds me almost like just mm-hmm. in the political world, how people say like why they don't think people should have like free college now is because nobody like yeah. they had to pay off their loans. And that kind of like I, I had to do it this way. And, and I think even that sets itself up for like uh, makes it even a hurdle for have, having any solidarity for collective yeah, well, action. Well, the, the thing obviously like this again, like we keep t- like talking about corporate wrestling is, is like the sexy topic. Right. That's like that's the thing that people uh, you're more you, you're used to that. You're aware of that because everyone knows WWE. And that is like the idea is, is sorry, I'm plugging my computer. In. So the idea was is that uh, people want to like they want the benefits of the union, but it, it doesn't. But people um, they psych themselves out of taking that first step. You know, because every a lot of people I've talked to, they're like minded that agree that actually literally have been telling they they're one of my one of my like they're my sources, I guess you could say, like um, these these people agree with all of the stuff and they're reaching out because they're they want to commiserate. Mm-hmm. And but then they also go, uh, yeah, but nothing will ever happen. And, and there's this idea if you listen, if you go on like the, the wrestling, like Twitter bubble, the fans that talk about uh, organizing, it's always like, will WWE let them organize? It's like, yeah, we have to no. stop, Can't stop, them. stop. We well, we have to stop pretending that we, we have to wait for permission. Yeah. And that's the thing that I think a lot of people, it's a, it's a hurdle that we have to get over because we're still just waiting for them to tell us what to do. And it is, it's in a, it's like uh, an abusive relationship. That's that you're waiting for them to tell you if it's okay for you to stand up for yourself. Mm-hmm. And, 
and and that's that's one of the issues culturally speaking what that that happens on especially on a corporate wrestling level. Mm-hmm. and i mean that's that's common for you know i i speak having been an unorganized worker that went through an organizing campaign um i mean you 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 do get those people that have the mentality that well it should be this hard like you got to pay your dues like that's part of like that's part of how you get to you know where you want to be even though a lot of people don't end up you know becoming john cena their thinking is you know i got to pay my dues and it'll get better um which i mean it's i mean that's exactly right david i mean the the idea is that well this is how it should be and they're waiting for permission for it to or you know someone else to make it not be that way instead of you know thinking that we can fix this like we uh, together can fix this mm-hmm. i I, th- I just think they're like i think people get just just generally just get they do just get psyched out by like the daunting task you know like they just kind of think of it and they they see the finish line and they go oh my god that's like so far that's like so far away uh that this this how can we possibly get to that point uh from where we're at right now it's it seems too good to be true and then there's obviously this other issue that happens um this other issue that that happens when it comes to talking about unionizing uh is that it, it won't solve all my problems so like this would still happen and this would still happen and this would still happen so so, I mean, if, if all that still exists, what's the point? Um, and then and the other one that's common is the one that you were just you were talking about, like, well, we had to go through it. So why shouldn't they have to go through it? Meanwhile, I've talked to a lot of old timers that are really pissed that they're not getting any royalties for their likeness being used in the WWE network. They're really pissed that Vince McMahon makes money off their likeness in perpetuity. Um, I, I, I think that they want something there. Too. And this fight isn't just for us now. The fight is for everybody in the future, and it's for everybody that paved the way for us in the past. And that recognition and that respect of them, you're doing it for them because you know they got screwed too. Mm-hmm. And in every chance, I, I would also fight for them to get something back. Like we're all in this fight together. We do have to understand that that's the that's the thing. We are all in this fight together. We have to recognize that it's not worker versus worker. It's us versus them. Mm-hmm. And them are the are the people that are making sure that we get screwed over consistently. So the ones that are only paying ten percent to the workers. Into this, and uh, I think we're we're going to wrap up soon. But you know, I think the one point that's kind of interesting is you mentioned like older wrestlers that did get screwed, that didn't end up getting rich. Um, and I'm just thinking about like all of the things that the NFL uh, and MLB and like the NHL, what the players' associations are able to secure, like pensions, like post you know post playing career healthcare, like. What is it like for retired wrestlers that didn't get rich? They, they, there's nothing. I mean, you well, oftentimes, like one of the things that you could usually lean on if you didn't have necessarily, like not everybody necessarily has an education, not a, necessarily has like any other real skill. Um, but you could usually, you usually be able to say, oh, well, if you're like a grown man, whatever, you can go and you can do landscaping or you can put up fences or you could do some kind of man or do construction or something like that. But you can't because your body's also broken down. So you can't do that. And it's really hard to get an office job because your head's messed up. Um, there, Just it, look it, at the movie, The Wrestler with Mickey Rourke. Very close to that's that very movie cl- was brutal to watch. It's very close to uh, what it, what you could see. I mean, look and at and that Jake. came out what 10, 15 years ago now. Like, 
Yeah, like 15, 15 Some 20. of the stuff we've been talking about sound, is like, you know, not just now too. It's obviously like a long culture, a history. So I think as we kind of like wrap up here, David, like how do you feel about where where we're at in the world when it comes to pro wrestling and organizing? And like, what would you have to say in, in, in a form of like, like what to look forward to? Uh, well, like as far as uh, organizing uh, on the corporate wrestling level, everyone I've talked to, especially after all the firings last week, I was furious. Uh, I went through this weird back and forth of being sad and furious. Um, but everyone I talked to that's there, they, it just seems like everybody's like really sad and they're not angry. They're just really upset and down that their friends uh, just lost their jobs and they didn't need to. Um, so like that, that really seems like they haven't, they haven't harnessed this action against them mm -hmm. uh, as an angry thing to rally everybody behind. Everyone's just kind of really sad there right now. Um, hopefully something comes out of this and again for them and for people in all these different uh, corporate wrestling companies as well, not just WWE. Um, so hopefully they come out of this, but before this whole shutdown and everything like that, uh, we were actually doing really, really good, important work with, uh, we the independent equity. Mm -hmm. We had just gotten the, the second company, uh, to officially agree to adopt like a standard standards of practice and a code of conduct and actually recognize wrestlers. Union. Yeah. We so got, can you say, just talk a little bit about what is we the independent and equity? Yeah. hundred percent. So we, the independent is a merchandising company that myself and portrait photographer James Musselwhite uh, started. Uh, and basically the idea is it's supposed to be a labor empowerment movement. Uh, we used our merchandise, uh, we take portions of the proceeds and we sponsor uh, British wrestlers into equity. Equity is an entertainment trade union uh, that has a bunch of good benefits that allows in uh, freelance wrestlers. The biggest thing they've gotten now was actually done through our campaign, which is pretty uh, which is pretty overwhelming that we we tackled this. We've only been around for about a year, and we were able to push equity to uh, push equity and their insurers to include pro wrestlers on their disability welfare insurance policies. If you're a member of the union, oh yeah. So we were, we were able to secure that payment for wrestlers who get hurt. If you're members of the union, you'd get uh, up to 600 pounds a month for up to a year if you're going to be missing wrestling work. And a lot of us have multiple jobs, have, you know, like a real job. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you can still do that real job, but you're just missing out on wrestling bookings, you're still entitled to that money for your loss. Wow. Nice. Um, and it was nothing beforehand or was that's, that's pretty fantastic. And, and that's like $1,500. Oh yeah. Yeah. We were, we like, honestly, when we got the news that they uh, did it, cause we pushed them, we had a couple of meetings with equity and we pushed them and they were obviously on board and fighting for us. Um, and then they used our campaign to the insurers and basically the insurers like, okay, fine, we'll do it. And when they told them, I like, I basically, I started crying. I was like, this is so important. This is such a big deal. But not only that, uh, through equity, we negotiated two different, uh, two different companies that officially signed on to these codes of conduct. And our, we have a whole process in place where we kind of, uh, where we're going to, we're looking to, I mean, our vision is to create essentially like an organized territory. Because uh, we have a bunch of different companies that have already verbally agreed or just kind of or looked over what this template uh, code of conduct was. And they're like, yeah, we were interested in that. So we're we were just getting ready to kind of get a bunch of different companies that were going to formally announce that they were adopting us. Um, and it's just the step. It's just the process that we're going to get to actually properly organizing independent wrestling. And that 
that comes with other the, the process we were going to implement with that is once they adopt the code of conduct then you present it to the roster the roster is a, has to understand it and know it then they get to elect a, a, a representative to kind of talk speak on their behalf if they want to make changes and then you'd have to have uh, a new thing every time their standards of practice be negotiated between management roster with an equity there as kind of like the negotiator okay. yeah. obviously acting on behalf of the workers but it would be ensuring that all these policies were kept in place um and yeah that was what we were, we were working towards that we got the second company to do it the first one was eve which is an all women's promotion uh based in london oh, yeah and, and awesome. uh, they've done a lot of good work they were very they were very helpful in pushing for the insurance uh the the reeds dan and emily reed the people who own uh uh eve they were very uh important and vital in getting the insurers to, to cover wrestlers as well. Uh, and then the other one was this new company called Riot Cabaret, which is run by uh, a, a working actor in the, well, not really working now, again, it sucks. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, in, in London named uh, James Lawrence. Uh, and he was, and he's just, just fantastic. He attended um, the meeting, the workshop meeting, the organizing workshop meeting we did with the London branch of the IWW. He was there, he was there for that. Uh, and we've been working with all sorts of different organizations to kind of figure out the best ways to get more people in. Uh, already through our campaign, more than quadrupled wrestler membership into equity. Wow. And um, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty fantastic. So we're, we're really excited about everything that's been, that was happening. Uh, and we're, we're, we're still trying to use this time off to figure like, you know, to uh, cross some I's and dot some T's uh mm -hmm. you know in, in between uh but yeah there's there's things to look forward to on the other side of this um and hopefully we can all kind of come together and recognize just that again we have the leverage at the end of the day because it's our labor that's needed to make the business operate 100 percent there how can it we is. Help? I how think can we that's help? a great note to kind of wrap up on. Um, I wanted to say, extend the invite. I, I know I speak for everyone. David would love to have you on again. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. This was this was hella fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, this this was fantastic, and I I feel like I know a lot more about wrestling than uh, than I certainly ever All had the good before. Stuff. Yeah. So this, so much is, there. this is really, this is a good learning experience for me. I certainly hope it is for some of our listeners, but um, everyone uh, thanks David and uh, everyone follow David star on Twitter. His uh, Twitter handle is David. What's your uh, Twitter handle at the product DS. DS. Okay. Is my, uh, is my Twitter and my Instagram and all of the li links to all of my merchandise stores are on there. And then uh, follow We the Independent, uh, which is We the Indie. Indie spelled with an I E, not a Y, because we're indie, not indie. And uh, go to WeTheIndependent.com, and you can check out our whole story. It has links to our podcast, which is uh, which is labor relations podcast within pro wrestling. We talk about a bunch of stuff. Uh, so I think a lot of your a lot of people listening to this might mm -hmm. be interested in that mm -hmm. more specifically. We talk about diversity issues and all sorts of different uh, deep dive issues within pro wrestling there, and we have some fun. Um, and ch check out our merchandise that's on there, weedindependent.com slash shop. Uh, and you can check out our merchandise where, again, we sponsor wrestlers, uh, union dudes into equity and uh, try and create uh, some security for them. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Say that again. Your whatever for your say what you just said again, because that's amazing to me. Oh, we're trying to create some security for them. Uh, no, the, the way you sponsor wrestler dues is just oh. such a fantastic idea. I mm -hmm. love this. This is, yeah, it's, it's actually pretty, um, 
you know, obviously we want to sponsor every single person imaginable like out there but we're not able to so it, the the people we're able to we're really happy to do it and they're always very happy to get it but we're also encouraging other people to join as well but mm-hmm. uh fortunately we've been we've done really well with our merchandising stores so we've been able to sponsor like a decent amount of wrestlers into equity uh membership and we're really really happy about that hell yeah that's some solidarity Fantastic. So as I said, uh, David Starr, thank you for uh, being on, uh, especially with our first uh, first ever official episode. Um, everyone, you can follow David Starr at, at the product DS on Twitter and Instagram. And of course, check out We The Indie, mm-hmm. um, which is the company that is uh, basically sponsoring pro wrestlers to uh, mm-hmm. join the equity, which is a trade union in the United Kingdom. Yeah, and uh, it looks so like we have, an, uh, we have a, a union buster of the week and it's Vince McMahon. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, so thank you everyone. Um, and yeah, thanks David for being on everyone. Uh, we'll drop links to some of the stuff that's been mentioned on the episode, uh, in the episode comments. So thanks. Thanks.